the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer, San Diego. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. And uh, what an interesting interview upcoming. I can tell you that I already did this interview. I recorded it. I was getting ready to speak with Cynthia Hughes, who is the founder of the... um, uh, the um, freedom, freedom, Patriot Freedom Project, um, which is an, a, a project started after January sixth. Um, in fact, it was an organization that she had started to help uh, with some some uh, I think suicide prevention among veterans. Uh, but she hadn't really gotten the work started, so she switched it over. Uh, Cynthia Hughes did, and the uh, Patriot Freedom Project is focused on helping the January sixth prisoners. Uh, with lawyers um, and also their families with the costs associated with their husband being in jail. And I don't know, I was planning to ask Cynthia, who I know pretty well now, I was going to ask her, well, you know, when you thought, did you think this would, you started this, did you think it would last six months or a year or something? And it's going on for a year and a half and it will go on for a long time uh, because these men have been held in prison um, and for longer than anybody expected and there's not trials and it's just terrible. Um, so, but anyway, I was getting ready to talk to Cynthia Hughes and we'll talk a few minutes uh, uh, later on this program also with uh, Mickey Kaus. I mentioned yesterday on the program that stay paranoid is something he argued when it comes to Republicans caving on principles. So we'll talk with Mickey also, but I was getting ready to talk to Cynthia Hughes and she texted and said, Hey, if you call me right now, you can talk to Tim Hale, one of the J six prisoners, her nephew, she calls him. I think it's a family friend who basically she adopted uh, Tim Hale and they're very close like mother and uh, son or um, close to it. So I said, you're kidding. So I jumped on. So I just did this interview. It's about uh, 12 minutes long with Tim Hale, who's in the, what we call Gitmo DC, the, the prison in DC, where the uh, January 6th prisoners are held. It's an extraordinary conversation. But one of the things I asked him is I said, do you think you're a political prisoner? And he kind of refused to call himself that. He called some of his his uh, fellow prisoners political prisoners, but he certainly said that he was being held not for what he did, but for who he is. And here's the thing. What you need to know right now is it's just true that when you normalize certain behavior, When you do certain behavior enough, it normalizes it and makes it more common. What do I mean by that? Well, Mike Flynn, General Mike Flynn, was clearly targeted to get him not only out of office when he was National Security Advisor designee, but also to get him tied up in such a way that you could send him to jail. And he almost went to jail because he was put in such a difficult position based upon his family members and others that were being squeezed also. And he was a political prisoner and it went on for years. And at the end of it all, it basically became clear that it was at least it was engineered to get him out of office. And really, it looks like it was engineered. The whole thing was engineered to try to have a coup to to get rid of Trump. It wasn't only General Flynn, but he became sort of a sort of collateral damage. But he was he was also a political prisoner. Now, he never went to jail, thankfully, 
But I think he, I don't, I've never heard him say that he would describe himself that way. But back to these men. After January 6th, there's only a few of them that actually did something specific where they, I don't know, kicked in a door or used an item and hit uh, law enforcement. Those are pretty obvious, right? The rest of these people that are in jail are in jail for obstruction of proceedings. In other words, obstructing the proceedings of Congress. And some of them, I think Tim Hale, he said it in there. He said it in a different interview. He didn't actually even realize that Congress was meeting at the time that they were there. In other words, it, you, it's hard to obstruct a process you didn't know was going on. And they went back and said, oh, well, you know, he, he said he had read American history. In the moment you were in, you might have thought you might not have realized that anything was going on. But my point is very few people that are being held are being held for specific acts. And you contrast that with Antifa, Black Lives Matter, others that have been arrested for burning cars, smashing windows of storefronts, and they're let go. They're actually let go, not even with a fine, not even with a misdemeanor, just said, you know, okay, you're out of control on uh, Donald Trump's inauguration day, burned a couple cars, whatever, we're just going to let you go. So a different way to phrase this question would be to say, are these men from January 6th that are held, that are in jail, are they being treated so differently than others that that makes them political prisoners? Because one comeback from people will be, oh, well, it's one thing to burn a car in the District of Columbia, you know, uh, six blocks from the White House. It's one thing to uh, try to kick in the gates, the, the um, uh, fencing uh, across the street from the White House. But that's different than entering the Capitol grounds. Well, is it? What, what is the difference? What's the qualitative difference that makes me think, oh, yeah, one group of people that did that should be in jail without trials in many cases for 15, 16, 18 months almost, and the other should be allowed to go free. At a certain point, the preference to prosecute is not just discretion. It's not just discretion to say, oh, well, there was a, um, you know, a guy walking home from uh, work. He's uh, swinging his, um, he was swinging his bag and had his lunch pail in it. It was really heavy and he hit it into a car and he shattered the window or even more. Let's do it this way. He swings his coat and has something in the pocket intentionally against a car because he's mad at something and it breaks a window or the guy that comes along and says, hey, here's a brick. I'm throwing it through the window. If you're a prosecutor, you're allowed to have discretion over decision making on who to prosecute based on what you see as the official person uh, is within a a kind of framework of what's good for the community. But that's not the same as preferring showing preference to prosecute and to just persecute men after January 6th. And it's almost like the prosecutors have also sort of worked hand in glove or in some sense almost waited for Congress and the select committee, the propaganda committee to bolster their case. Because if you were, if you were to look very, very generically at one of these cases, some of them, not all of them, by the way, there are a few that there are much rougher and there's much more going on. And I understand that, but a few of them you could look at and say, huh, that guy looks like he walked in the building. It looks like he went through the building. He went out the other side. Should he not have been there? Yeah, probably. Was he with some bad guys? Yeah, probably. You know, bad, you know, bad associates. Yeah. But is that one that should be allowed to be the like, oh, yeah, except the media, big tech, big media, big government, in this case, big government. And the select committee has drilled home a message that it's insurrection, 
So you're not just a participant in a political rally that ended up with people walking in the building. You're part of an insurrection, total insurrection. It's amazing to see. And I don't think there's any other way to answer the question than to when the question is, are you a political prisoner or are these men political prisoners? The answer is yes. The answer is completely yes. And the only question I have and what you need to know is if you can get from Flynn to J6, if you can get from taking out one guy out of his office, you know, and and forcing him out of office and then trying to get uh, and trying to get him in trouble. Maybe the trouble was incidental to getting him out of office. Maybe, maybe, maybe the trouble pressuring him was to get him to not talk about the reason he was pushed out of office, but all the way through to a couple of dozen people being charged with sort of light charges as a way to punish them. What you need to know is we've talked about it a lot. People pay attention to incentives. If the incentive is that you're, you know, if the, if the incentive, or in this case, disincentive is to be targeted, people are going to stop letting their voice be heard. They're going to stop going to any rally. They're going to stop being anywhere near what could be deemed dangerous. And ultimately, they're going to decide, based on self-interest, the place to be is wherever the regime, wherever the power wants you to be. That's where this ends up. And it's not a good place. It's not the place that feels very American and what we want. So are they political prisoners? Well, you listen in a minute. You'll hear uh, Tim Hale talking about what's happened to him in prison. It's a little, the, the quality's a little rough, uh, but I think you'll have a sense. And um, it's something in this country, something in this moment in America, where with as much uh, technology as we have and access to information that we haven't cut through and decided, hey, we're not going to let this uh, this treatment of people be so off balance and so unfair. We're not going to let it happen like that, but um, it's something to behold. All right. Uh, so don't forget, please visit ProAmericaReport.com, ProAmericaReport.com, and uh, we will uh, post up there all these interviews, and you can get them there and sign up for the daily email, the daily wink. It's there. Uh, and make sure to go ProAmericaReport.com, sign up. Oh, and we also have over at PhyllisSchlafly.com all the great interviews with uh, the folks from the Collegian Summit. You're going to want to check them out, too. So we'll take a break, and we'll be right back. It's Ed Martin here on a ProAmerica Report. Back in a moment. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. You've heard me talking for weeks and weeks now about my friend Cynthia Hughes, the work she's doing at the Patriot Freedom Project. Um, we have, uh, I have been working with her too, uh, helping families, helping the uh, the uh, children of the men that are political prisoners, January 6th political prisoners, and of course, helping the men themselves with uh, with uh, lawyers uh, and in ways, like I just said, helping their families. So extraordinary. So I had said to Cynthia Hughes, hey, let's get on. I want to get you on the phone and get an update. And then when she was just touching base, she said, well, I've got a special guest. Why don't you uh, introduce our guest uh, to our listeners, Cynthia, please? Um, hi, Ed. How are you today? I have my nephew, Tim, Tim Hale, on the uh, on the line with us calling from uh, D.C. Gitmo. It is amazing. Well, t- Tim, thank you for joining us. I know the connection's a little funny, but I- I- I'll set this up. Uh, Tim Hale, a former uh, Army a reservist, a security guard, a guy that's uh, served his country, and uh, and this is an incredible uh, trial I followed from uh, Cynthia, so many of the details. But first of all, Tim, how are you holding up? How are the guys uh, holding up there in uh, in the D.C. Gitmo? Oh, well, thank you for uh, 
having me, sir. Um, well, it's it's hard to answer that. <laughs> really, uh, every day is a different challenge here. Um, we're we're surviving. It's just uh, not getting any better. <laughs> so uh, that's really the best way to say it. I mean, I, I frankly probably have it better than a lot of other people here. I have no, I don't have a wife, but I have any kids that I'm aware of. Um, can I ask you, Tim, we're talking with Tim Hale, who is uh, in D.C., in the D.C. Gitmo, the prison there, January 6th, all those men that are there. You know, one of the things I've heard about through Cynthia and others is how it's a sort of um, divide and conquer, that there's an effort to kind of make the guys that are all in there for this reason sort of, uh, I don't know, fight amongst themselves or feel like they're competing. And now a bunch of people uh, are, are actually going to trial finally months later. Some are pleading guilty. I saw another uh, person pled guilty. It's One of the problems is it's got to be, I mean, I, I, this sounds insane to say out loud. I'm sorry if it sounds at all. Um, I don't mean to be dismissive or condescending, but it must be incredibly isolating. And it seems to be by design. Oh, well, yeah, absolutely. I mean, this isn't something anybody, I, I actually haven't yet, yet about this, because this isn't something most people want to touch with a 100-foot pole, but the government has planted, let's say, assets in the jail with us. So there are individuals in here who are not really with us and never were, and I and other people in here suspect they were at the Capitol as crisis actors and stuff like that. I can't get, I'm not sure how detailed I can get with that. I'm not going to name any names, but... Yeah, there are people in here who are constantly pressuring people to take pleas and plead guilty so that they can either get lighter sentences or so they can move on to the next job. Um, unfortunately, yeah, there is division here, but it's not on the part of people who love their country. It's on the part of people who are most likely cooperating with certain entities outside of the jail. Um, yeah, a lot, there, there are a lot of people in here who are really working hard on their cases. Um, it's bad enough that we have the you know, issues with the court sometimes. Uh, we have the prosecutors to deal with. We have the DOJ as a whole. We have the media that's constantly tarnishing us. But uh, it's, it's very bad when you also have to, you don't just have to worry about the uh, the enemy in front of you, but also the enemy behind your back. Um, yeah, it, it's it's very rough. Um, we've been trying to get attention to it. You know, we don't want to seem divisive. Dark divisive. We don't want to appear divided either. Those of us who are really on the side of America, Trump country we are united and uh that's why we're we're not giving in we're working hard to you know earn our freedom and you know keep standing for our country uh, we're a special guest. I have Cynthia uh, Hughes on, who's the uh, uh, executive director and the founder of the Patriot Freedom Project. Uh, we're talking with Tim Hale, who is um, in the D.C. Gitmo and, and facing this. Uh, the um, the uh, the problem of of uh, of knowing, you know, what happened. I, I saw some a quote that you had. Is, and it was like, you know, the way the media portrays it, it was this sort of grand. These aren't your words, but a grand conspiracy. And and your answer was like, hey, I don't want to sound like I'm an idiot, but I just came because there was this, you know, event and I wasn't even thinking about sort of what was, you know, the Congress in session or what it meant. Um, 
but nobody believes that, right? I mean, nobody believes you. It's kind of like the, it's almost like the, the brainwashing of the media has sort of um, overridden what, what sounds to me like common sense. I, and I, I, I mean, again, I guess from Cynthia and I are on the, on the outside, literally watching the fake news and saying to ourselves, this is, this is um, so unfair, but it must be uh, like, almost like the air you breathe. You can't get anybody to believe you. Yeah. Everything is very perturbing. You know, they, let me say this, you know, if my goal was to be an insurrectionist, I wouldn't have gone to the Capitol in that warehouse. So it's not exactly what I would have been, uh, you know, it wouldn't have been my wardrobe for the day. Uh, yeah, there's nothing, but you know, none of the narratives actually make sense. Most people there were not professional protesters. There were a lot of people there, I guess, were wink, wink, but, uh, you know, uh, how do I say this? Every, all the narratives from that day are contradictory. They say on the one hand that we, this was all pre-planned. It was a conspiracy. Then, on the other hand, they want to blame Trump's speech, which means that people were incited that day by the speech. It doesn't make any sense. Right. All the narratives about January 6th are completely contradictory. Yeah, it is. Um, it is. Well, and and what would you tell America, the American people? Another part of this is that in the period right after January 6th and, and maybe say three months, everybody got a lot of attention. It felt like they were saying, hey, and, you know, um, uh, and now uh, people's memory are short, right? I mean, we're coming up on the 4th of July, the second one for a lot of guys that are there still waiting for trials and everything else. How, how do you, how do you kind of remind people about what's happening and, and how, you know, important is that for people to realize uh, uh, what's going on? You know, I, one of the reasons I think what Cindy's doing is so great is that political persecution can happen to anyone. Right, so everybody wants to make this about Trump or Trump supporters or this that, and the other thing. What matters is that we're American citizens. And I would say this if it was happening during the civil rights movement. I would say if it was happening I would say if it was happening to you know the socialist Eugene V. Debs. Um, either the Bill of Rights and the Fourteenth Amendment matter or they don't. And I just wish more people were focusing on the whether whether you think that whether you buy into some of the narratives about January sixth or not and the embellishment surrounding it, it what, what cannot be denied is this. The way that the government has handled the prosecution of January 6th cases has been egregious, if not atrocious. You know, the, the, the fact is, the First Amendment, you know, here's, the, here's the deal, they say that people obstructed the certification vote, which is you know, a part of the, you know, it's just, they're basically all upset, you know, they're, their prosecution is about the 12th Amendment, you know, which is a largely ceremonial thing, I guess, but at the end of the day, it's a 12 member procedure. But in in the course or in the in the need to prosecute people over the 12th Amendment, they're going to violate the first, second, fourth, fifth, sixth, eighth, and even and the 14th Amendment. And let's throw the Ninth Amendment in there just to be safe. They're not expecting extradition laws for these defendants. Um, we're going to lose ourselves as a country and as a society if we don't remember that justice matters for everyone, not just people who aren't Trump supporters. Um, so Americans either need to put up or shut up and get with the program. Either all Americans have constitutional rights or they don't. And if we believe that, then we can't just, you know, we just can't keep ignoring the way that these crimes, that these, uh, you know, these things are being prosecuted. They're being prosecuted wrong. People are being selectively prosecuted. They're being targeted. Families have been destroyed over things that, I mean, we just saw with the, with the Stephen Colbert thing. Yeah. They don't really care about people interrupting Congress. 
was targeting Trump supporters. And you right. just was last year you had environmental radicals who were doing the same thing, attacking cops with bike racks and stuff, and they were environmentalists or whatever. Nobody cared about that. I think they got tickets. Yeah. Do you, uh, we're talking with Tim Hale uh, from the DC Gitmo from the prison there, uh, January, one of the January 6th defendants. Um, Tim, uh, do you, um, do you consider yourself, do people, do, do, do you, among your fellow prisoners, do you call yourselves political prisoners? It's what you are, but do, they, do you call yourselves that? Uh, a lot of people have different ways. I mean, I, I do feel like I'm being targeted specifically for, you know, my beliefs or even beliefs that I don't actually have that I'm being accused of having. Um, right. A lot of people here have kind of accepted that mantle. Um, there are other terms they probably use. Yeah. At the end of the day, I, I'm, I consider myself an American so above all. Uh, you know, I, mm-hmm. I, I wore a uniform for this country for over a decade. I've served wow. the U.S. Army and I was a contractor for the Navy. Um, I always been willing to fall on a sword for my country and for others, and I never once, you know, thought I would be considered a traitor or a seditionist or all these different things. And neither did most of these people in here. These people in here, I can't, let me say this, I'm not going to call myself a political prisoner, but I definitely think a lot of people in here are. Hmm. And I think, you know, when you have veterans, a third of the people in here are veterans. You right. know, they're trying to make an example out of American citizens. And yeah. They basically say, if, if you are a Trump supporter or you're someone who questions, you know, the system as it is, then, you know, this is going to be your fate. You've got business owners in here. You know, you've got basically middle America. The people in here are the people who make America work. And I think that that's who they're trying to send a signal to. Yeah. Well, uh, Tim Hale, by the way, I, I, the, um, I, we should tell uh, Cynthia Hughes, our, who's our guest who hasn't said much, that Nathan Hale, the incredible uh, hero of the Revolutionary War period, that's your last name. We should have a track down and see if you're related. Of course, uh, he was the ultimate. He paid an ultimate price, but uh, you're paying one, too, with your freedom. So thank you for what you're doing. And uh, I have to run, but uh, we will. You know, a lot of people pray for you all the time. A lot of people working for you and the Patriot Freedom uh, you know, project is out there uh, fighting hard, but it's uh, you're living it. And so hang in there and God bless you. And uh, and we'll we'll keep um, we'll keep working at it. And I, I have to think that in the long arc of uh, justice, as uh, a former president said, uh, we're going to get more and more justice. I got to believe it. Right. Otherwise, you don't get out of bed. So uh, hang in there and God bless you. God bless you, sir. Thank you very much. Okay, thank you. We got to run, everybody. I, I will uh, put up on social media. What a surprise. I was going to talk to Cynthia Hughes about the Patriot Freedom Project and what they're doing. Uh, instead, we talked uh, directly into uh, the D.C. Gitmo and one of the uh, prisoners there, uh, Timothy Hale. Uh, we'll, uh, we'll take a break and we'll be right back. It's uh, Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. We'll be back in a moment. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. It's time to catch up with Mickey Kaus, my old friend Mickey Kaus, who is on the uh, he's on the he's at the he's got twin deficits in this case. He is on the West Coast time zone. And also he's like a night owl of a of a certain like an old school night owl. I think he stays up till like five in the morning and then sleeps for part of the day. Might be a part vampire. No one's confirmed that. But welcome back, Mickey Kaus. How are you? 
Thanks, Ed. I'm fine. What I noticed was your tweet, and it caught my attention right away. Simple line. It said, stay paranoid. I can tell you that all across America, MAG America, people are beside themselves with the gun deal. And I don't mean to worry about the gun deal with you. I've talked about it at length earlier in the program. But your tweet, stay paranoid. Cornyn, lead Senate Republican negotiator on bipartisan gun deal, says immigration next. And cinema agrees, says, that's right, we're going to do it. What's going on here? Well, uh, they now say this morning there was a bit of a backlash. Donald Trump Jr. denounced them. Yep. Uh, and uh, Cornyn says he was just joking. Ha, ha, ha. Uh, oh. <laughs> and can't they take a joke? And, you know, we, it, but the problem is people joke about things that they intend to do. And he and Tillis, who is his co-conspirator in this, the other big sellout Republicans right. uh, have uh, have been pushing this for a while. They were talking about it back in April. Some big combination of it was not a unambitious bill. It was a amnesty and alleged border security and changes in uh, changes in the asylum laws. And Corden uh, Corden has has been 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 pushing for. He, he's mainly interested in more guest workers. But once you open this can of worms, obviously, the Democrats are going to insist on a large amnesty for everybody who's here. And then they work on the fake border security provisions to try to con people into thinking that they're going to make the border more secure. And the result is another disaster like the previous amnesty. So the right is completely right to still be paranoid about it, worry about it, even if Corden says he was joking. I mean, he wasn't joking before when he seriously negotiated, tried to start negotiations in April. So well, uh, uh, we're talking so with that's Mi- the lay of the land right now. Well, we're talking with Mickey Kaus at Kaus Mickey on Twitter, very active Twitter account. He's also got Substack and uh, he's uh, all over the place um, on podcasts. I think Ann Coulter's new podcast, he's been on that. Um, but Mickey, uh, th- and this being serious, like sort of started out sort of light and, and teasing and fun. But this is really one of the things that's a reality of imagine a Democrat Senate and a Democrat, uh, excuse me, a Republican Senate, a Republican House, the Democrat president, obviously not going to do anything conservative. So it's time to make a deal. And I mean, forget about uh, Manchin. I mean, he's not the worry at that point. It's the Republicans that will say, oh, we can finally make a deal and we'll make a deal for what we wanted for years and never got under Republicans or, De- or Obama even. Right. I mean, it's not, it's not what would be the most likely thing in January of next year is some. Oh, sorry, guys, we can't pass any real America first legislation because Biden will veto it. But looky here, we can do a, a kind of uh, we can take care of the DACA people and the dreamers and everything else. That's an interesting point. See, I was thinking the Democrats were pushing this now because they figure it's now or never because they're going to lose in the midterms. But if they don't lose that big in the Senate, uh, you know, there are about eight Republicans who squishes who would who would vote for an amnesty now. Right. uh, And they need 10 to get it through the Senate if they don't do it through reconciliation. And uh, so they'd only need two more. And it's the logical thing for. Biden to do what else what else will he have to do in January as you say aside from this well That's a very good point yeah, I mean, yeah. if, if 
It's a warm up because I mean, think about it. You're going to, you're going to, I mean, the, suddenly the Ways and Means Committee will discover that they're going to do some kind of tax cuts or tax reform or they'll trade something with, but even that will be hard for Biden to stomach. But this one, he, he can, he'll go to the progressive base and say, Hey guys, I can't get you everything, but we can go over here. And frankly, the beauty of it is, the the Republican base would blame the Republicans going into 2024. And you would have, you know, I don't want to encourage Coulter, but Coulter, the way she talks about Trump and how he didn't deliver and all, it becomes even clearer. Look, this is exactly what you got when you went for for the last five years. I think it doesn't depend who which senators win in, in this coming election. I mean, if they have J.D. Vance and Blake Masters in there, uh, they, that is at least a positive trade as far as uh, immigration. Goes. Well, but except that, what and, if they get? Uh, what if they get? Yeah. If they get Oz? Oz? Uh, Doctor Oz is the same as Toomey. I think Oz looks like he's already he scrubbed up Trump from his website, and Oz will come down and then say out in Missouri, um, Roy Blunt would have been probably a, you know willing to deal. And so, what do you get if you get Greitens? Maybe he's burning the place down because of McConnell. But but I think it's almost literally. But it's more likely you get somebody like Vicky Hartzler who is you know played along in the House and Senate. I again, I I, I don't know. I mean, I you know Blake Masters and and they're they're, they're going to learn what. It's like to be Holly and Cruz, which is you got a lot of voice, but can you stop things like this? Right. Well, they, th- that's a very good point. And also, you know, I mean, the Republicans might not even have a majority. So, right, right. Uh, uh, it, it, even if it looks, even if McConnell would like to stop it just for purely political reasons, I don't think substantively he's all that, uh, all that conservative on this. Uh, he wouldn't be able to. No, that's a very good point. I hadn't thought of that. So, even so, the elections are not going to provide it. Yeah, no, no, no. Well, and actually, you can. I, I imagine this is happening now because most of the uh, Republicans have survived their primaries. Right? There's not any uh, senators, at least. There's not any big ones coming. That's an incumbent that's sitting there out there. You know, the ones that are retired and all. I would talk with Mickey Cows at Cows Mickey on Twitter. Mickey, um, but so, but and and let me ask you. Oh, you, go ahead. You want to say something? People think McConnell is going to squash the to- this talk now because he knows it will destroy the Republicans in the midterms. But uh, after January, as you say, it's uh, who knows what's going to happen. Um, Mickey, uh, people, people may real may not realize Kaus Files, which was Mickey Kaus's blog back in the day, was one of the earlier ones. And I, I, I offer that up because you've seen the trans you've seen the transformation of media. You know, I mean, back in the day, a Phyllis Schlafly weekly column, an Ann Coulter weekly column was everything. You know, now we're in a world where Substack and podcasts and everything else. So, uh, but one, the two questions I want to ask you that are related, watching the, the select committee um, be, I mean, purely propaganda, not even, I, I've actually woke up in the night, you'll, you'll smile and say, you've got to really get some serious psychiatric uh, counseling. I woke up in the night and thought someone should just put out uh, questions like cross-examination questions that should have been asked, like to Raffensperger, like, okay, you say it meant this, you know, you're, you're, you've been allowed to be led along as a witness. You say it meant Trump was pressuring you. Couldn't it have meant this? Have you ever had a, an elected official statewide call you and say, I really need you to figure out what the hell happened over in uh, Fulton County? And, you know, and by the way, find some goddamn oh, oops, find some, we'll cut that, some, some uh, votes or something. And nobody had that. So, but that's one thing, the select committee, January 6th. But the second uh, part of this is the border's wide open. I have Todd Benzman on the show every week. They're fl- people are flooding into the country. 
and there's not a bit of coverage, not even on Fox. They're not covering. There has to be deaths. There has to be people that are, you know, flailing and failing. And there's not a bit of coverage. No, it's uh, it's it's two million a year. Biden, two million Biden has let in since he became president. Right. Uh, And and I I see it on the Web, but I'm cocooned. You know, I'm in. I see that I, 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 I see Todd Benzman's Twitter feed, but you're right. The networks are not covering it. And that's why in the polls, it's an important issue, but it's not a huge issue like inflation. Whereas when there were photos on the TV every night of those Haitians camped under the bridge, it was a huge issue. Right. Uh, and, and the Mayorkas has been very, the Biden has been very smart. Biden's DHS secretary of stopping the photos. He ships them out in the middle of the night in buses across the country. And there are no photos of mass people, and uh, and so it's the networks won't cover it. Uh, it. Not that they want to cover it, but sometimes they have to cover it. Uh, it would be a good feature on Fox to have a very some smart lawyer say these are the questions I would ask every night. With right. the, you know, if they're going to cover the hearings, that should be a feature of the hearings every night. Uh, but I, you know, the the command has gone down from Rupert Murdoch to get rid of Trump. Right. Uh, and 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 Fox is now focused on that. So uh, it, it, it may be working. I mean, there was a poll that showed DeSantis ahead in New Hampshire. So, yeah. Um, uh, well, Trump, so. Yeah. I'll comment on that in a second. But but back to the, the um, command to <laughs> command on Rupert Murdoch. I, and I agree with you. Uh, Mickey Couch, do you think it's possible? I have uh, people that woke up on uh, they, they woke up on Wednesday morning after the, the the Republicans capitulated on the gun control stuff, and they were beside themselves, right in MAG America, and there. And so, um, but and one one of them called me this morning. He said, "You know, they're, they're going to do this. They're going to do all of this stuff. They're all the propaganda, the Jet Select Committee, and they will arrest Trump." They, they will end up with that. That is going to be what they have to have, and they'll do it. Do you think that's possible? It's possible. I would say it's like 30% possibility, 40. I, I don't know. It just, it seems that the, 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 uh, does Merrick Garland want a huge trial of Trump, uh, where he ultimately loses? I mean, I don't think he can make the case. So it, it seems. But you don't need to make yeah, the case. That's my point. Yeah, you don't, you don't even make the case if you if you do a Peter Navarro and, and and make Trump come to some deposition and then cuff him and stuff him. I mean, make it'll make Elliot Spitzer walking guys out of the uh, you know Wall Street look like a piker. You know, talk about news. I, I I I have a hard time. I'm even stunned that you think it could be thirty. I have a hard time believing we've stooped to that level. By the way, let me say this, and we're talking Mickey Cows. And and again, you've been an observer up close of some of the big league talent that has run for president in the last 40 years. They all think they're really talented. They all think they're ready for prime time. And my side, I have Scott Walker, Jeb Bush. They all thought they were ready for prime time in this environment. When the Klieg lights go hot, it's nothing like anybody's ever done. And I, I don't think DeSantis head to head with Trump stands a chance. Really? Not at all. Uh, I, I, um, Trump, 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 Trump floated in an article that's out there that was uh, anonymously sourced. He said, is he likable enough? It's exactly right. I've had DeSantis. I love DeSantis, what he's doing. I've had him at events, Eagle Forum, Phyllis Schlafly Eagle events. He, he's not likable. It, it's, it, it doesn't ooze out of him. And, and uh, it's a it's a um, you know, Jeff Zucker told me once he said Trump, all he cared about was being number one on TV, how it looked and sounded. That's all he cared about. That's what we're living in right now. 
That's a very good point. Yeah, I, you just stated something that I've suspected and never really thought about, it, which is DeSantis never cracks a joke. He's never funny. No. Nope. Uh, you know, Trump Trump had two sides to him. He had the tough side, but he also had the very gregarious, appealing, funny side. Right. Uh, and uh, and DeSantis just just seems sort of like a, a tough guy. I mean, I I would vote. I would much prefer DeSantis over Trump, but I I think you're right. He lacks. He head to head, he lacks something. Yeah. All right. Well, Mickey but Cal- maybe he won't have to go head to head. Yeah, I don't. I, if I'm DeSantis, I just would avoid it. But maybe and maybe Trump, as you say, again, if the the number of people reminds me of 2015 and 16, where the Republican establishment was saying things like, "Well, Trump, will, we'll get him out of the way. He's not popular enough with the uh, with soccer moms. He's not going to make it with the, you know all these people are tired of it. All that they did all that then, and uh, and I don't I don't I think they misread it. I, maybe they're misreading it now, but they have a lot more power behind it. It's not just a couple of talking heads saying Trump will never stay in the race. Now they've got, you know, subpoenas and attorneys general and, and lawsuits. But uh, more importantly, Mickey Kaus, I got to go stay paranoid. That should, they should have T-shirts, uh, Mickey. You should put out stay paranoid and, and we'll watch the uh, Republicans uh, carefully on this uh, guns and immigration talk. So thanks for the time. Thanks, Ed. All right. Mickey Kaus, everybody at Kaus Mickey on Twitter, Kaus Files, and I'll put up on social media his Substack and all the rest. We'll take a quick break and be right back. It's Ed Martin here on a Pro-America Report. Back in a moment. This is the Phyllis Schlafly Report, a daily broadcast from Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, a national volunteer organization founded by Phyllis Schlafly and continuing to uphold her legacy by honoring family values, opposing radical feminism, and representing a conservative perspective in our nation's capital. Now the president of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, Ed Martin. Stop me if you've heard this one before. How can you call yourself pro-life if you're in favor of the death penalty? Or maybe someone said to you, you're not pro-life, you're pro-birth. Once a baby is born, you stop caring about them. These kinds of attacks aren't really attacks on the position that unborn children have intrinsic value and should not be killed on a whim. Actually, these attacks are distractions from the hard-hitting facts of the abortion debate. Yet many people still want to know how to respond because these distractions are thrown around relentlessly. The death penalty argument is a bad faith argument in almost every case because in almost every case, the person bringing it up is in favor of abortion and opposed to the death penalty. How can you call someone out for being pro-life and pro-death penalty when you yourself are a hypocrite by your own standard? Commentator Ali Beth Stuckey put it best when she said, I'm anti-abortion for the same reason I'm pro-Second Amendment and pro-death penalty for murder, because innocent life is supremely valuable and worth protecting. Kristen Hawkins of Students for Life of America had the perfect answer for the argument about how pro-lifers are hypocrites if they don't spend their efforts to help foster children and solve other societal ills. Hawkins asks, are you upset that the American Diabetes Association doesn't fight cancer? The obvious answer to Kristen's question is no. We intuitively realize that specialization is a good thing when it comes to solving society's problems. The American Diabetes Association is right to focus on the issue of diabetes. The same is true for being pro-life. We focus our efforts on protecting women and children from abortion because we want to be effective, not because we don't care about the other issues. Don't let pro-choicers distract you by bringing up every societal issue under the sun. They do that because they don't want to talk about the issue at hand, which I believe is the greatest human rights violation on the planet today. We must be laser-focused on protecting the vulnerable 
from the evils of abortion. This has been the Phyllis Schlafly Report from Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. What's the best way to rekindle the spirit of Phyllis Schlafly and the grassroots movement she energized? In this digital age, patriots and pro-family Americans can find insight and inspiration on our website, phyllisschlafly.com. Then, share your own heart and mind on social media. So join us at phyllisschlafly.com and every weekday for the Phyllis Schlafly Report. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Hey, we're finishing up. Let me tell you, I got one request from somebody texted me while we were talking about um, the January 6th stuff. And um, so I'm here to remind you, here's the number one thing I would tell you to do. The number one thing I would tell you to do is go to AmericanGreatness.com. AmGreatness.com. American Greatness is the name of the the, um, uh, blog, American Greatness. AmGreatness.com. And read everything Julie Kelly has written on the subject of January 6th. You can also read her book, which is uh, called January 6th, and that's got a lengthy title. But if you read her stuff, you will get the lay of the land. She was on it early. She was on it um, with clarity, and she described what was going on. She's the best there is at that. In fact, we're going to have her on the show uh, tomorrow, actually, and we'll touch base with her. But that doesn't when we talk with her, you only get a snippet. Go read her stuff. Really good, really valuable. And that will give you the best uh, lay of the land on the entire January 6th uh, stuff. So there you have it. A good question from one of our listeners. Um, he says, uh, Thomas. Thomas texted me. So that's all we've got today. Thank you, as always, to Noah Dingley, our great, great producer. Uh, Joanna Spilger, our associate producer, and you for listening. We'll be back tomorrow. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro America Report. Talk to you then. America Report on The Answer, San Diego. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.